Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. What do you mean you don't even know how to start the dishwasher? What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. That was what we call crazy, you crazy lady. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I didn't make you drink your milk, you'd be a wiggly wobbly. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. I know it was a mess. I'm not ready to talk about it right now. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about when kids prefer the other parent to you or you to the other parent, because the door swings both ways. Either one. I mean, it's great when they prefer you. Well, as I say that... I was going to say you only care that they prefer you, but really sometimes it's better when they prefer the other parent. I mean, that you get more time off for sure. You get a lot more time <laughs> off. You're like, let dad do that. Your old favorite dad can get you that snack. It, I've been on both sides of this. If you're a parent with younger kids, I think you can get pretty stuck in the like, she only wants to go to my husband. And like, why is this? And And there are ages and stages and it flips back and forth, but it's easy to feel bad when you're the rejected one and feel a little too proud of yourself when you're the preferred one. The fave. But let me turn that frown upside down. It just occurred to me as we were literally introducing it that like there's an upside to being the non-preferred parent. Yes, there is. Huge upside. Sure, it stings a little bit, but you don't have to run around getting snacks. I think like the sort of most basic version of this is when you're at home with the little kids, like when you're really in the sort of salt mine years. I remember when my boys were one and two, two and three, and- The bad old days, we call that. Yeah, the bad old days. My my spouse would come home from work, you know, and you've done the bathing and the night night and they have their jammies on. And then I would always say like, my husband was good time Charlie. Like he'd come in at, you know, the the 11th hour, right? The last five minutes before bedtime. And he'd be throwing them in the air and wrestling and being the lion. And like, and he was the most awesome, coolest parent while I'm standing there with my like slop bucket and mop. <laughs> See things. It's funny because I um, I used to work for uh, Nick Mom and I did a, a lot of comedy stuff for them. And one of the pieces that I wrote, which we we'll, should use for our comedy bit today, is it was about the idea of like, who does your kid love more? And it's like, you know, mom can, mom like takes good care of you. Dad can throw you 20 feet in the air. Everyone loves dad better. You know, like whatever your dad, whatever dad does, he's the hero. And I got 
it kind of went viral. So a lot of people saw it, but also I got so much blowback on it. Like the kind of like dad's rights people were like- Not all dads? Hashtag not all dads. You're a total scumbag for even suggesting that all dads do is throw them in the air. But I was like, you know- I'm speaking a bit in generalities, I get it, but like there is a little bit of that theme sometimes for moms where you're like, I am the Irish washerwoman and dad is the fun guy. Yeah. And that's not a fun feeling. No. And I get that a lot of dads clean the house, but from my perspective, hear my voice, people. Yeah. It's a little annoying when you make a thousand snacks and then dad walks in with and puts his briefcase down and it's like, woohoo. We can be a little bit more broad and say when the stay-at-home parent does all the enabling and the the guest star parent gets to come in, I mean, it doesn't have to be a man and a woman. It's just in your house and my house. It was that way. Yeah. Someone's doing the heavy lifting. I love the term guest <laughs> yeah. star because it's exactly right. It's like, woo, who's the shiny yep. new person yep. coming in the door? So we've both been on the side of that. And then I think we've both been on the receiving side, tell me if I'm wrong, of the only mommy face. I want only mommy to cut my uh, chicken. Yes. I want only mommy to put me to bed, give me a bath. Yes. I mean, I feel like you came in with the point of view of it's bad to be the unpreferred <laughs> parent. And I come in with the point of view of it's bad to be the preferred parent. Of where the only mommy stage? Only mommy can do it is a problem. Yeah. yeah. And it's something to be pushed back against. But when you are the preferred parent in that way... I think you can soften into that a little bit because it is the only kind of like you're not getting your name in the newspaper. So when you're. Yeah, it's the only reward is like, look, I'm the only one who knows how to cut the steak properly. Right. It's the only reward you're getting. Really important to think about and push back against. Yeah, because because it can become a um, yeah, it can become the story you tell yourself. I think we're going to talk a lot about that today. The the story like it really is only me who can do this. Yeah, because it is. It really is. And you're exactly right. Like there is like, you know, they always do like rat experiments <laughs> where it's like they get a little dopamine push when they push the pellet, like when they push the lever, like that is what it is so fundamentally like to be an ignored mom sometimes where you're like that minute where the baby, you try to hand them to someone and they right. turn back to me. You're like, right. you ah, noticed. <laughs> I am good at this job. And like the fact of the matter is that is a base level brain, lizard brain instinct. It is not a referendum on whether or not you are a good parent. And the more you feed into the instinct of I am the only one who can do this, spoiler alert, you will be the only one doing it and that will not turn out great. Sure. Like a baby panda uh, wants to be with the person who's been taking care of them too. It's, a, it's, it's an instinct. We all want to be with the person who we know knows how to do the thing. It yep. doesn't mean that the other person can't. Yeah. Just think of your child as a baby panda and it's like, it's cute, but it's not, it's an animal instinct. <laughs> You're making me think of all those videos online where like the pandas are like wrecking the joint and the keepers are like, ah, and it looks just like your living room. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the pandas climb on you and yeah, yeah. adorable. Oh, oh, baby pandas. All right. We need to focus. We've gone down a baby okay. panda rabbit hole here. Pandas are cute, um, but I bet they don't have the Oedipus complex, which they get into when they're three to five years old. Oh, the Oedipus complex, Amy. Really? That is, you're taking us old school, man. Back in my day. Yeah, this is this is Freudian stuff. Um, and assuming everybody kind of knows what I'm talking about, but the Oedipus complex, Freud came up with this and Jung backed it up. And it's based on, named after the... Uh, 
hero in the Greek play, King Oedipus, that was told that he was going to kill his father and marry his mother. And he said, no, no way. Am I going to do that? Of course, I'm not going to do that. Not me. That's totally not my style. Right. Goes out to the wide world, like runs away from home so he can make sure he doesn't do that. And what does he do? He kills his father and marries his mother. Sorry, guys, if you haven't read it yet. It came out like 2000 years ago. So you've had some time, but I'm sorry if we spoiled it for you. Yes. Yes. So Freud argued that little boys have the Oedipus complex where they kind of love their mommy like a little bit too much. You know, when you're, when you're a preschooler, it's like, I want to marry you when I grow up. I don't right. want to go to college. I just want to live with you forever. That's the sweet undercurrent of the Oedipus complex at work. And they start to view the same sex parent as competition. Yeah. Now for girls, and for girls do this too. Freud was trying to come up with this whole thing that we're not even going to get into. We're not going to talk about the the P word envy. We're not going to go there because I don't buy it. But there was there is a thing called electrocomplex. Same thing. When the little girl is daddy's girl and she only wants to walk with daddy and only daddy can sit next to her, all that stuff. I had a friend whose daughter and husband were in that sort of dyad, that daddy's girl dyad for a couple of years as some people are and it like it devastated her like she walked around feeling bad about it like it, wait the mom yes it would bring her to tears that the girl would just sort of like hand her her wadded up tissues and that was it that was all she was getting from this kid and she really felt bad and she was telling me about it and like like tears came to her eyes and i was about to sort of like giggle and be like, oh God, isn't it crazy when I do that? And I realized she was sort of personally devastated and I felt like I needed to sort of, just like you would with a kid, like acknowledge the feeling and then walk them through that this is an age or stage. I hear you and I understand yeah. just like we do with our kids. Yeah. It's, it's normal that kids do this and you need to kind of let it happen. It's normal that kids do this and there's a flip side to it. So the kids feel a certain way and then you guys feel a certain way towards each other as well, you know? And so that's the other half of the equation. It's not just like the kids feel a certain way. It's that somehow the other parent is feeling excluded in a negative way and that's not being fixed. And that's really the parent's job. To, it's the adult's job in this situation to fix. And this is something that can happen also with um, relatives and close friends and stuff. Like there's always going to be people in your family who are like the happy fun person, the person who always walks in the door with uh, toys and gifts. And like if you allow yourself to feel bad or it, it becomes a bad dynamic that like you're starting to feel with the angry discipline troll and that person is starting to feel like happy, fun, gift giver. You kind of have to fix that with the other adult. Yeah. Because it's very easy for that to happen. I hear this a lot with people talk about grandparents, you know, like, yes, it's fine and fun. And I always am like, grandparent rules, who cares, whatever they want to do. But if it's becoming a dynamic where you're in each other's lives a lot and it's like, your own, the only role you feel like you're left with is like mean, harpy, you know, disciplinarian with a ruler and everyone else is having fun with the kids. You've got to make a change. Janet Lansbury says that when these patterns sort of, you know, get solidified and even intensify. Calcified. It's because cal when they calcify and stratify, <laughs> it's because 
we are perpetuating the cycle through our response. Yes. Oh, I'm way ahead of you, Janet Lansbury. Yeah. Yeah. And we lean into it. And so we need to sort of lean against it. Carl Pickhart has something about this that I thought was fascinating. This this is more in families with older kids. Okay. Although it can happen at any stage that there is what he calls the odd parent out. And he describes this as a specific situation that happens in a family of where the kids are all boys or the kids are all girls. Okay. So he says there's actually a degree of prejudice and discrimination that's developed over time toward a dad and a household that is all women or towards a mom and a household that's otherwise all boys. Hmm. Let me ponder that one for a minute because I thought you were going to say something different. I've seen this happen. And I'm, there's a play called The Humans that won the Tony a couple of years ago yeah, written by a guy that I know. I mean, it's amazing. Well, think about the dad in that. The whole, the whole play, it's a family about a Thanksgiving dinner and it's a mom and two adult daughters. And every time the dad tries to say something like, dad, it's not even that. You don't even know what we're talking right, about. Right, right. Every time he opens his mouth and uh, you can see it start to diminish him and you realize how it has diminished him over the last decade. And it's sort of death by a thousand cuts. I don't, I'm not saying it's right. It's not, so horrible. Not, no one of these things matters, but it's like if right. somebody gets alienated, I think it can also happen the other way, which is that if there's a family of girls and the dad is sort of like fun and indulgent and, and, and then the mom becomes the enemy, you know, I think it can happen either way. Yeah, it definitely can. It's not necessarily like, it doesn't necessarily go with the same gender parent. I think I think it can happen. I think this is very pernicious and something that we don't talk about a lot is like family dynamics. And we've talked a lot about marriage and how to stay on the same team and be a unified front. But this thing of favored parent is kind of an arm of that, don't you think? Like somehow this is like, um, what do they call that in, in war? It's like you divide the fronts and then you attack them one at a time. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. I think there is an element of this that like, Yes, if your kids are like, I just want to be with daddy, haha, it's fun. But there's another aspect of it where like the teams start to develop in a family and you and your spouse are somehow not on the same team and some of you are on the team with the kids. And that is very, very poisonous. Yes, yes. So Carl Pickhart, I'll quote him to you. He says that this, if it kind of goes unchecked, it can make equitable decision-making between parents, equitable standing of parents, equitable influence of parents and even the unity of the parents more difficult to maintain because it does kind of turn you one against the other. Who do the kids like more? Yeah. And especially if you fall into a very easy trap to fall into, which is that it feels really good to be the favorite. There is, I mean, I have this so wired in my DNA, the desire to be the favorite. I go to the dentist and then if I sit really still and he's like, wow, you're really good at getting cavities filled. You don't flinch at all. Like my other patients, I'm like, yeah, because I'm the best at being the dental patient. Like whatever this weird need is to be, loved and accepted and the favorite, like it is so hardwired into me and I have, I have to fight against it a little bit while raising kids because me being preferred over my husband is a really, really bad dynamic for our house. Right. And so whatever that like a student, look, I got a gold star. I sat the stillest at the dentist, whatever that craziness is. If I let that start to 
infect and affect what's going on in my household, I got a problem. Yeah. It's something we have to be careful of because it feels pretty good in the moment to say, like, Dad, what do you mean you don't even know how to start the dishwasher? Yeah, here you go again with this with this thing. And yeah, it's really easy to uh, lie down on that comfy pillow, but... And soak it all in. All right, we're going to talk more about this after the break. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how this happens with older kids because the younger kid thing is sort of classic and right. it's going to happen to all of us and you have to I want to sit by. Yeah. Even my kids still my kids are 10, 9 and 7 and their grandma's visiting and like it's just every meal is like who gets to sit next to Nana and who I mean they're still very like and when their cousins come, like, who gets to say? It's like a lot of jockeying for position at this age still. And the kids who are, I have a kid who's more irritable than the others. And mm -hmm. that kid's um, allegiance swings, swings more, more widely, wildly. right? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm yeah. talking about? Absolutely. We have, we have similar kids. And like, yes, that kid's allegiances are always known. Like, you could hang a flag, you know, at the castle. They like <laughs> run a flag up to say like, who's in charge? Like, you could run up the flag every day. Like, where the allegiances are lying. Is the queen in at the home. the game of irritable child thrones. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's, and that's something to, I guess, be aware of and not, you know, allow it to matter even less to you about that kid. Because experts say, like going back to the toddler thing, the, you know, uh, daddy's, I want to marry daddy when I grow up and, you know, I hate you, mommy, that experts say that that can actually last longer if the preschooler sees that it's working for them. And it can work in two ways. One is that the preferred parent leans in and says, oh, I know mommy said you couldn't have one more story, but you're daddy's girl, right? And so you can have one more story. Guys, if you're doing that, cut it out. Yes. Or if they see the hurt feelings of the rejected parent. This is what I was trying to say to my friend who was like letting this devastate her. I was thinking this is a good way to give it a lot more runway if the kid sees that they're really affecting you. Absolutely. I always say that whole, when we were in college, I don't know if still people are still into this. Remember there was a little book. It was like Art of War. Yep. And it was like, they would sell it. Like all like dudes in college were kind of into it. I'm going to give this an oldie lux alert. Although I'm not sure it totally is. It's, but like, it's like thousands of years old. So right. I, I suppose. mean, it's, it's a super, it's a mega oldie lux alert, but I think it was very in vogue for some reason when we were in college. I don't know if it still is, but back in my day, it was the kind of thing that dudes liked to read because it was like, oh, art of war. It was like war techniques and da, 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 And that's how they were going to like be in business or whatever. I don't know why they were reading it. But I, I'm struck having children like they are unbelievable military tacticians. Mm-hmm. Like if they don't want to do something, the way they can figure out to like manipulate and mess with you and go right at your softest underbelly to get what they want is amazing. And so this is a huge example of like, you may not even think you're reacting, but if a kid is doing something and getting anything out of it, if it's hurting your feelings, the kid knows it. And so their ability to manipulate you has to be acknowledged so that your ability to not be manipulated needs to be at the forefront of your mind at all times. That's right. If you play into these roles, you're doomed. And we all do. But I mean. And then there's older kids, right? So as we start to move into adolescence, it's natural, again, developmentally appropriate for them to love the opposite sex parent at one age. And then as they move into puberty to start to identify more with the same sex parent because you're their role model. And and then they start to reject, like I see now I have two teenage boys and I see both of them sort of, you know, lean into the like, only we men understand certain things. Right. My kids have not gotten there yet. It, 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 once that starts, they say, so this is, I'm going to give you some more Carl Pickhart. He says, once they identify with the same sex parent, they feel more in common then they start to think that parent understands them better. Then they start to think that parent's company is more desirable because that parent has more to offer and that parent somehow counts for more. Yeah, that makes sense. And I am, I am seeing that. Like I, I just, just this week, one of my teenagers said that their dad did something. He's like, dad, dad did that for me and it really helped me. And it was like a poison arrow <laughs> through my spleen because I do the same thing all the time. And it's only when their father did it, they're like, that was really great that dad did that for me. And I had to be like, yes, it. How great for him. I'm so happy for you guys. Right. And then my face cracked. But it's normal. Or there are other reasons. They can, I'm going to give you another therapist, Dr. Ellen Libby. She says this can happen across ages and stages. If there's a parent who's more permissive, 
which is like, especially if you're not co-parenting anymore or you're yes. co-parenting from a different house, that can really rear its head. That person's going to be preferred to you every time. Yeah. And, and so then you start to... You start to parent against the other. And then I've seen this happen. I've seen friends of mine who got divorced struggle with this. I mean, how could it not be a struggle, right? There are, there are going to be things you're going to do differently at the other right. house. And probably one of the reasons you split is because you did things differently to begin with, right? Right. Or at least didn't share the same priorities. And so there you are not sharing the same priorities and not living together. And then all of a sudden... You know, it's the it's the stereotype of dad got me a teddy bear, and so the mom has to get me a car. Right. You know, you start to one up. But it's it's a what do they call that? A war of you know love contest. It's the opposite of a war of attrition. It's yeah. like a yeah. arms race. An arms, is what it's called. an arms race of stuff. But also, this can come into play because if you are divorced parents, the kid might suddenly at adolescence develop a new affinity with the parent that's the same sex as them and want to go live with that parent, even if they haven't lived with them in the past. Want to spend more time with that parent. Yeah. That would be incredibly painful and difficult. And it's also, I guess, important to remember in these times that like, yeah, that might happen because that's a thing that happens. It's not personal. It's developmental. Yeah. And developmentally appropriate. And I think you're best bet in this as we talk about it. One of the things that I'm so aware of right now is like allegiances are very important to children. And like from at all ages and stages, like my little ones, you know this, like kids come from preschool. I'm not yeah. friends with Janie anymore. Susie is my best friend. Like they have such a strong instinct towards allegiances as do high school girls, high school boys, maybe. I don't know. I don't have high school boys, but are your kids still like this? Like these are my people and these are out. And I know my... Not in high school. Middle school, yes. But then by high school, it's... it's Yeah. My elementary and middle school kids are like every... I talk about like flying the flag or like keeping a chart. Like they could have a chart on their wall every day. Like who's in the alliance and who's <laughs> out of the alliance. It's like survivor every day. And, and small things, you know, they're constantly searching for like... It is like that old Survivor reality TV show. Oldie Lux Alert on Survivor? I'm afraid so. Oh, another Oldie Lux Alert. that's like two decades ago. Yeah. Back in my day. But it's still on. I think they still do it on TV. But the idea, yeah, like 24 people and like you have to have allies who won't vote against you to kick you off. Like that's kind of their whole lives all the time is like searching for those kind of allegiances. So it makes sense that they're still doing that when they come home at night. Like, sure. Who is my strongest ally in any given situation? And then there's sort of stressful situations like you're about to move. One of you is about to be deployed. There's a new baby coming, right? There's a big change coming and that would be a time when I think you would certainly expect to see a kid start to play with the stuff more. Yeah. Not, not because they're like, I'm going to manipulate this situation and I know how it's subconscious. Well, it's sometimes subconscious and sometimes fully conscious. That's true. So it depends. Yeah. It can be subconscious, but sometimes it's very like, it's, it's full conscious, but it's constant anyway. It doesn't matter if it's subconscious or full conscious. This is how Janet Lansbury says. She says the kids absorb our stress. Again, this is why like you can't like display to them everything that's going on in your life, right? Because they absorb your stress and then they will express it through demanding and limit pushing behavior. 
Yeah. And they know, gosh, they're so good at knowing who for what, right? Yep. Like they know what to push me on and what to push my husband on. And and I think we're pretty good at presenting a united front, but still they're they're pretty good at figuring that out. And my husband and I often find ourselves in conflict over the fact that we do have different approaches. And I'm always sort of like, I, I definitely have the feeling often in my house that like, I'm the villain and you're the fun guy. Mm-hmm. And that drives me crazy. But I have in the course of 10 years of doing this, realized that that is to some degree our fundamental dynamic. And I don't, bash my head against it anymore. And I don't care that much who, which one of us, our kids like better. Your kids are going to come to you for different reasons, right? Like if my uh, son wants to talk about the NBA, I mean, I'll give it a shot, but (laughs) (laughs) you give it the old college try. Uh, Yeah. Oh my gosh. I remember you talking on one of the podcasts about how you were like researching and Googling the NBA. So you would be ready. I had an app on my phone, like a flashcard app. I, it was Quizlet. I think it was Quizlet. And it had a deck. I should do no, this again. No, you shouldn't. Um, it's bonkers. And it had a deck. And it was like, here's the players and here's who they play for. Uh, believe me, it's worth, I mean, it's like getting the boy to like right. me, right? But it when he, when I say, right, he plays for the magic, right? right. Like I see my, like my you get your high school face palette. light up. Like, yes. yes. Yeah. Like, that's right. You're right. But it's more genuine. Like last night with my other teenage kid, we were talking about Freddie Mercury and his vocals on particular songs and how crazy they can get. This actually came out of Conan O'Brien's podcast. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Good podcast, guys. It's really good podcast. And he was talking to Lin-Manuel Miranda about creativity. I was driving in the car, listening to it with my very musical creative child. And uh, they were talking about um, under pressure and how ding, like, ding, 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 ding. okay, yeah. like the, things are, yeah, the, the way he sings in that song is bonkers and shouldn't make sense. And that's my, so that's my field where I meet with that kid. Right. And, and then my husband tries to participate in that. And that child will immediately be like, that's not, no, that's not from that album. Yes. You see what I'm saying? So yeah, we're both, I think if you have a kid who rejects you on the regular, it's it's nice if you can find something in common with them that you can talk about that is just for you, but you can't chase the car too much because they know, they notice. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't chase the car. I, I'm not a, I think I might be on one end of the spectrum in that I feel like this doesn't affect me that much. I've, I, I don't relate to the sensation of like, oh, it hurts me that the kids feel this way about other people. But I think that you have to make a distinction between are you having a conflict or a feeling of rejection from your kid because there is something fundamentally amiss in your relationship? I've been there with my kids. Or are you having a fundamental rejection and conflict with your kid because of something that's not fixable? You know, and I think that's a really, really important distinction to make because some of this, the it's it's the difference between like, do they have a preference for someone else, or is there something about your relationship that's got a problem? Yeah, it's worth it's worth looking at. Um, I have a depressing example that I want to use about this when we come back from this break, Amy. Look forward to it. Can't wait. 
Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L U M E N dot M E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. And now, who does your kid love more, mom or dad? from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Mom carried child for nine long months before enduring the lengthy pain of childbirth. Dad did not do any of those things. Daddy is the best. Mom carefully considers children's well-being and safety. Dad can throw the baby like 10 feet in the air. I love daddy. Mom spent 45 minutes last night carefully supervising homework and repeatedly explaining the concept of fractions. Dad spent four minutes last night singing Havana in a hilarious voice. It's totally daddy! Mom lovingly crafts healthy meals made of organic ingredients. Dad invented ice cream for breakfast. Oh, for God's sakes, this is totally unfair. Mom provides unconditional love. Dad provides unconditional love and makes fart noises on command. Daddy, 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 daddy. Okay, Amy, are you ready for my depressing example? So depressed. I know this is a comedy podcast. It's going to be brief, but it is a little depressing. <laughs> Uh, but it stuck with me, and it's something that I kind of go to as a touchstone, although that may sound a little disturbing. I'm prepping you a lot for this. 
I was reading something and it was about uh, people visiting kids in like a foster home type situation. And they were talking to the kids and the kids were like, oh, my mom's coming back. My mom is this. My mom is that. Like all this stuff about their moms. And then they asked, you know, one of the supervisors like, oh, when's the mom coming back? And they're like, oh, the mom's not coming back. Like the mom's a mess and abusive and is never coming back to pick them up. But like the takeaway from it is like you have to remember how deep a kid's love for their parents. It's so – I think that we overcredit that like a kid is just suddenly going to be like, I don't love you anymore. I love grandma now. Right. Like, that is never going to happen. Your kid is not going to be like, I don't love you anymore. I love dad now. Like your kid's fundamental unstoppable love for you is an absolute. Yeah. And so you have to have – you are a thousand miles away from that situation of like an abusive situation where a child's been taken away. And like, you have to have confidence in the fact that like, the fact that they love grandma more because she brings toys every Tuesday, it does not diminish anything that your kids actually feel for you as a parent. Right. You got to get out of that. That's right. crazy to me. Let's talk a little bit about what not to do when you're in these situations and then what to do. I'm, I'm down. That. We were talking before about if you're the rejected partner or the preferred partner, I just want to give credit where it's due that Janet Lansbury, who's a parenting expert, these were labels that she used and I thought they were particularly useful as I was sort of like jotting down my notes on this. So if you're the rejected parent, what shouldn't you do? Okay. What shouldn't you do? She says that you should not work too hard to overcome these feelings instead of letting them be like you can, I think you can acknowledge feeling disappointed, rejected, um, and move past it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not, you know, I don't know, not lean in basically not go out to lunch with your friend and cry about it for, you know, more than 90 seconds. Like it's, it's, it's universal. It's fine. It's developmental. It is the ultimate. It takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. It is the ultimate dance. Like if you don't do your part of it, it's not a thing. Carl Pickard says if you allow your, you know, your self-worth or your worth as a parent to be diminished by this stuff, then you're bonkers. You're, well, he says you lose self-esteem, your spouse loses an equal partner, and your children lose the benefit of your participation in their lives as you go sort of nurse your hurt feelings elsewhere, I guess. So it's to everybody's cost. One, one, one of our touchstones, more is more and less is less. More junk food leads to more junk mm -hmm. food, you know, more outside time leads to more outside time, more paying attention to being rejected by your child leads to more being rejected by your yeah. child. It is an ultimate example of like, if you, you know, that it's always on Facebook, the thing of like this guy, the guy with the two dogs, like a good dog and a bad dog or whatever. And like, a, which one, which dog survives? It's the dog you feed, you know, like if you feed this thing it will thrive. If you feed into the thing of like your child can control you by liking people more than you, yeah. this is your lot in life. Watch out. Well, let's talk about what you should do. Okay. When, so when you're the rejected okay. parent, um, you need to model. Here we go again, right? You need to model uh, in your reaction, the reactions that they should have as fully formed adults with full emotional selves, which is you can confidently rise above the fray. You can acknowledge the disappointment, which doesn't mean you have to be a punching bag. I think it's okay to say, have you ever said to a kid who is rejecting you, you know, that really hurts my feelings. You're really making me feel bad right now. I have done that. And I think if you can done that, do that without blaming, you know, just, just be honest. I think that's, that's okay. 
Yeah, I've definitely said that to my kids. I don't know if it was about this issue particularly, but. You can be honest with your partner about how your feelings are hurt and talk about it away from the kid and ask your partner to kind of work with you to say. Yeah, I mean, I would say very strongly that your only ally and source of fixing of this problem is your partner. It's not the kid. It doesn't really involve the kid. I mean, the kid is just acting out. And so if you see your partner or either one of you, or you do it yourself, we talked about it on the like sharing the load episode. How many of us have that instinct to be like, that's not the way the baby likes its hair brushed. Spoiler Mm -hmm. alert, the baby does not care how its hair gets brushed. That is your story Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. isolating your other parent, you know? And so this is a conflict to be solved at the parental level to me. Absolutely. You also have to, in that case, be lovingly receptive to feedback. Oh, that's hard. If your partner does say that's not how the baby likes her hair brushed. (laughs) So you're not allowed to scream at them, stop talking to me. Yeah, because sometimes there are, I can think of conversations I've had with my spouse, you know, where he would say like, I don't know why this is happening and you totally know why it's happening. Yeah. Not just even about this, right? You know, when somebody comes to you, like, I don't know why... All, you know, all my girlfriends break up with me and you're like, I do. Should I, should I tell you? Oh, I do. Yeah. I do crazy. Let yeah. me fill you in. I've got all those answers. I mean, if we're really uh, open to growth, we have to be open to the, you know, really useful and perhaps slightly hurtful suggestion from our loved yeah, one. Yeah, no, you have to be able to hear that. I had a recent incident where I had reached my limit with a certain situation and, um, pulled my children loudly and demonstrably out of, I'll just say it, out of church one day and um, kind of made a huge scene and pulled them out. And we got to the parking lot. My husband was like, well, that was interesting. And I'm like, yeah, that didn't go. That wasn't right, right? And he's like, no, that was what we call crazy, you crazy lady. And like, you have to be willing to have your partner be like, you've lost the script and let's reset. And there are times where I've said that to my husband and he's been receptive He's mostly receptive. There are times where he's come to me and been like, okay, so this morning, and I'm like, I know it was a mess. I'm not ready to talk about it right now. Like, I literally, like, I'm still seeing red. Do not come at me with helpful suggestions on how I can be a better parent right now. You may be 100% right, but, like, back up before someone gets injured. Yeah. Got to be ready to hear it. I think all of that's right. But you still heard it. Like, even him saying, so you know, and you saying, I know, and I don't. Well, I knew what he was going to say. Listen, when I go to 11 nobody's wondering what's the problem. Like everybody in a three block radius knows what the problem is. Like he can even just give me a look like, okay, time to calm it down over there. Crazy. And I'm like, I know, I know. I want to talk a little bit about upsides of this. Oh, the upsides of being the rejected parent. Well, just in terms of like that, what you had a phrase for it a while back. Do you remember it was called like maternal goaltending or something like that. It was like, oh yeah, it wasn't, I didn't make it up, but yeah, it is. It's exactly what it was. It was maternal goaltending and it was, that's not how you load the dishwasher. That's not how you. Right. The idea of like, or I'm going to be the favorite versus other people. My perspective has really changed on this. And even before I had kids, when I was in my twenties, my brother and his wife, who were my same age, had kids in their twenties. I had kids in my late thirties. So like we did it very different phases, but my brother and sister-in-law were always like, come, take the kids out, like do whatever you want, you know, like be a huge and effective part of their lives. And there were times where like I was 20 and I thought kids were fun and like, oh, let me show up with like a matching t-shirt for all of them or whatever it was. She would have sat there and like, 
you know, done all the laundry and done all the cooking. And I would walk in with like t-shirts and they'd be like, Aunt Meg is the best. Hooray. And like, she was like, great, go with Aunt Meg. Like it did not become that competitive thing between us because she was confident in the fact that like, okay, you may be the best today because you show up. Any person who brings your kid like sugar or gifts is going to be their favorite for a while. Sure. But the other thing is it makes them comfortable with my mother-in-law is here right now. And, you know, often I'm in the middle of like kitchen and laundry and doing all the mom things. And she shows up and like gifts for the kids and here we go. And it's a fun adventure. And like, if I were to buy into the idea that like there's a competition between us and now she's the favorite and I'm on the outs, I would miss out on the experience that I'm about to go on vacation and she's going to stay with my kids. Like (laughs) there are huge upsides to letting other people weigh into your kids' lives and not being competitive with them over your relationship. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Your kids' comfort with other loving adults that you trust is a wonderful thing for you and for them, by the way. And it is so counterintuitive, and I have had it a million times, which is like, oh, nice for you, Walton, with some toys. I do that internal monologue, but then I try to remember like, hey, the upside is like, my kids are pretty happy going with anybody. Like their aunt comes into town and is like, you want to go to surf camp for three days? They're like, goodbye, mom. And I'm like, oh. Great. I packed. I put all the labels on everything. I didn't remember. But if I give in to the thing of like, I actually do everything around here and this person's just fun time, Charlie, like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about what else not to do when you're the preferred parent, because that doesn't sound so preferred to me right now. Actually, that's the whole point, isn't it? You put the labels on everything and nah, 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 nobody cares what I do. And then the three-year-old wants to sit next to mommy at the restaurant. And that is the reward. That is what you're getting for all the hard work that you're doing. And so it's really hard. Well, if you're the preferred. if you're the, That's what I'm saying. And then you get that pellet of only mommy can cut my dinner. That is a reward. And I think it's okay to receive it as a reward. It's not okay to lean into it, right? And I would also say acknowledge the reward that I want to sit next to grandma during dinner. Grandma is the best. Grandma gives me candy. Grandma takes me out to the movies and I get some time alone. Also a great reward. Yeah. Like at, or daddy, you know, like, oh, the preferred parent and I get a break. That's also a reward. It's not necessarily a rejection. When you're a preferred parent, though, you have to be careful, I think, of not starting to lean into it by starting to make decisions that feed the continued absolutely uh, flag of you on the castle, right? Yeah, because you can't get attached to that castle flag that's like, oh, my flag is flying. I have to keep it there. Yeah. So therefore, like, yeah, mom is really unreasonable about the bedtime. Like, if you're doing that stuff, you have totally broken down the same team, which is at the top of your priorities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. This impacts your relationship with your partner, not just with the kids. So, And this is a much, much harder, as you pointed out before, for partners in conflict. So like people who are either in conflict in the house or separated or divorced or like you're not really on the same team. And for those people, and I have seen this many times in my own life, those situations are harder to stay out of the temptation of favorite parent because if you're living in different households and you have conflict towards your ex-spouse and that person seems to be the favorite, it is much, much harder not to play into the thing of like, I'm going to keep my favorite flag flying. Or to to start with the, let's not tell mom that I took you here. Let's not tell dad yeah. that I bought you this. To play against each other. 
Yeah, to start to keep secrets from the other parent, whether you live in the same household or not, is a crocodile-filled <laughs> water, I think. Yeah, and that is something I do think you can address with the kids. And I do kind of address that in terms of like, yeah, it's so fun to visit these places. Yes, it's so fun when I go out of town and daddy feeds you, doesn't make you eat vegetables for a week. But like, part of my job is feeding you vegetables. So like, I'm back and we're doing it. Like, I don't buy into the thing of like, because there is a oddly tempting route, which is like, I want to be like, like, daddy, I won't serve vegetables. It's like, I I'm kind of not the fun one, guys. But like, I'm the mom. Yeah. You're always going to marry me at the end of the story, Oedipus. So like, I'm not going to chase every, <laughs> every stupid right. tangent that comes along and try to be the loved one. Like, I'm the mom. I'm the top of the food chain. I'm so confident in that. Janet Lansbury makes a good point. If you're on this, you know, preferred parent side, she actually says, don't sell the other parent too hard because kids will see right through it. Oh, yeah. That's not going to work. Like, go be nice to your mom. Yeah. Yeah. She says, she says, children always see right through it. They see this person's not comfortable with me having a feeling about not wanting to be with dad when mom's there. And she's trying to push how wonderful daddy is on me. Well, that's you doing the other half of the dance. Like you're dancing with the person at that point. You're doing, you're like, you're the second it takes to tango. Cause you're playing into like, I know you like me better, but mom is also really pretty. Like when did that ever work? Yeah. Never. Yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it, it also just gives, it tells them that what they're doing is working, which is exactly the opposite of what you want. So you do more like what you were saying, like, yeah, you're right. Daddy doesn't ever make you vegetables. And you know, you wouldn't have any bones if you <laughs> didn't make you drink your milk. You'd be a wiggly wobbly. Right. Enjoy the scurvy <laughs> you get with daddy. Right. That's a good way to play right. it. And just like, this is how it is. You don't waver. You don't plead your case. You don't try to make it different. And this odd parent out thing, I'm definitely going to think about that as a thing that gets subtly reinforced with older kids as the, the water is so warm in here and he can't come in. It's fun, but insidious. And he's not allowed. Making mm -hmm. sure there's always like room, room for the other parent and whatever it is you're doing. And then I think it's just so fundamentally, this was one of my mom's touchstones and she was a family therapist is like, you don't chase your kids' bad instincts. Like you don't chase their bad instincts of like, I like Sally better than Susie this week. You don't encourage that. Yeah. And you certainly don't encourage, I like daddy more than you. And all, I mean, my kids have literally had this conversation, like, who do you like more, mom or dad? And we've had it at the <laughs> dinner table. And I'm like, uh, okay, you know, choose who you want. Like, we're all still going to be here. It's just, <laughs> they know somehow what kind of a button that is to push. And you're safe in yourself. Like I'm the anchor. I have to be the anchor. I am the anchor. I don't have to worry about being the anchor. I am the anchor. And so it doesn't matter if their feelings move around, you stay the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will say this is not something I struggle a ton with. I'm like, you know where I am. Yeah. I know where I am. So go do what you want to do. Cause I'll be right here. Because you solved it, Margaret. You solved it. Because mama is queen of the <laughs> castle, no matter whose flag is flying, guys. That's right. Well, I'm going to think about this definitely and sort of be aware of as the kids get older, it's sort of who's the favorite parent can change uh, a lot more quickly. And it can be a little bit of a fun game to play when you're on the receiving <laughs> side of the good stuff. And I'm not yeah. going to play it anymore. Ever again. No, no more, more. No more. for you, Amy. All right, guys, we want to know if this is happening at your house and how you're dealing with it. Come to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast and join the conversation over there. We're also on Instagram at whatfreshhellcast and on Twitter at WFHpodcast. And 
Amy's studies from Dr. Libby and Dr. Picard. Yep. And Janet Lansbury. I want to say I made a joke when we were starting when I saw Lansbury that it was going to be Angela Lansbury giving us this advice. (laughs) Huge oldie locks alert. (laughs) Back in my day. And Amy did not really laugh at my joke. She's like, no, it's Janet Lansbury. I'm like, no, but what if it was Angela Lansbury? And she was like, no, I'm not going. I was worried you were going to say Angela Lansbury. And then we'd be stuck with it. Then we'd have to go with it. Yeah. You were like, I'm not even going into this. But anyway, you can find all of those notes that are not from Angela Lansbury at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. And guys, we will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because, let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.